Come on, put your hands together for Jesus tonight. Come on, anybody love the King of all glory? The King of all kings. You know, Pastor, boy, I sense there's a prophetic atmosphere tonight. You say, well, Pastor, really, what does that mean? I've not been in church very long. That means the God of all eternity steps into your now in spite of your yesterday and he declares your tomorrow. You say, well, pastor, how can he do that? He's timeless and spaceless. He's not bound by your planner, your calendar, your day, your night, your week, your month. He can step into your crazy right now, cover your messed up yesterday and declare your prophetic future all with one word. I'm so honored to be here with Pastor Ethan and Lena and my wife Casey when she was here she said Tony you're going to love this church and, um, and now when I got off the plane the airport was really small but I'm a big Dallas Cowboy fan I was at the game last week I preached in Dallas on Sunday morning we went to the game and brother Dak didn't have a good day but I'm praying for him I declare his best is yet to come. His latter will be greater than his former. You know, as a Cowboy fan, you learn to say there's next year. But there's something about what God's doing in the kingdom right now. He's putting the right people at the right place, at the right time. He's connecting all the dots. And maybe you're here tonight and you say, I just can't see what God is doing. There's something about trusting him when you cannot trace him when you can't figure him out and you don't know what he's doing in your now and you don't even know how you got out of your yesterday and you can't see your tomorrow there's something about knowing that this timeless God this spaceless God this God of the ages is here when I walked in this room tonight I sensed it in the atmosphere when I heard pastor declaring, I sensed it in his declaration. When we prayed over these missionaries, boy, I just sensed the heavens begin to shift. And there's these moments. You know, sometimes I find we're looking for seasons, but God gives us a moment. What if tonight was a moment where one word, one song, one act of obedience shifted where you've been. If you feel comfortable, lift your hands tonight. Father, we declare we're at the right place at the right time. Father, we're with the right people. And Father, we know we serve the right God. A God that is not only able, He is willing. A God that goes beyond where we're at does more than we expect. A God that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. An Alpha God, an Omega God, a beginning God, an ending God, a first God, a last God. And Father, we believe you're moving in our now. And we're headed to a tomorrow. So let your word come alive. Let it change us and challenge us. Father, I bless Pastor Ethan and Pastor Lena. I just pray that their next season would be their best season. Father, we give you honor tonight and we declare it in the name that is above every name, the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Come on one more time. Put your hands together.
You can be seated. We're going to jump into the book of 2 Kings tonight. And I want to speak to you for just a few minutes from my book that came out this last year. It's called The Door to More. The Door to More. As you're turning to 2 Kings chapter 4, let me say to my buddy, Pastor Dennis Laughlin, great to have you. Thanks for coming out tonight. Longtime friend. 2 Kings chapter 4, reading in verse 8. Man, what about this worship team? I'm telling you, they're awesome. Here it is, verse 8. Now it happened one day. What if today was the day? Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem. And there was a notable woman. And she persuaded him to eat. So it was as often as he passed by, he would turn in to eat. And she said to her husband, look now, I perceive. Or I know that this is a holy man of God. He passes by us regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall. Let us put a bed for him there, a table, a chair, a lampstand. So it'll be whenever he comes, he can turn in. And it happened one day that he came there and he turned into the upper room and he laid down. Then he said to Gehazi, a servant, call the Shumanite woman. And when he had called her, she stood before him. And he said to him, say now to her, look, you've been concerned with all this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? And she answered, I dwell among my own people. So he said, what can be done for her? And Gehazi answered, actually, she has no son and her husband is old. So he said, call her. And when he called her, she stood in the doorway. She stood in the doorway. Then he said, about this time next year. About this time next year, you will embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. But the woman conceived and bore a son when the appointed time had come. I love that. When the appointed time had come of which Elisha had told her. You know, there's those moments in the kingdom where God moves us from glory to glory. I love the seasons of God's glory. You don't have to play the whole time, but just stay close. Where he moves us from season to season. He moves us in a a moment and out of a moment. And maybe you're in the transition season right now. You're in the threshold. That's the place where you're not where you used to be, but you're not yet where you're going. You're not in your familiar yesterday but you're not yet in your prophetic tomorrow. You've got a dream, but you also got a memory. But usually in your transition, there's two little letters that will trip you up. It's a T and an O. It's the hallway of your faith. That transition moment, it's where Jesus told Peter, Satan desires to sift you as wheat. Not when we're walking on water, And not in Acts chapter 2, but in the hallway of your faith. But I've got good news, Peter. I'm praying for you in the hallway. And if you stumble in the hallway, get back up. And when you come out of the hallway, strengthen the brother. Come out with a testimony. Tell him what it is to fight the good fight of faith and get knocked down. Tell him what it is to feel like you were out, but you got back in. Tell him what it is that you thought you were over, but all of a sudden you heard a word that your best was yet to come. And I just sense there is somebody about to transition in. 
But all through the word of God, there are these doorways, these moments, these portals, these places where God would take the people of God out of one season, but yet set them up for a next season. Really, if you understand the kingdom, you realize it's all a setup. The Old Testament a setup for a New Testament. Your yesterday is set up for your today, and your today is connected to your tomorrow. And what happens is from these portals, these moments, we find that God would lead the people of God out of one season and into the next. From Genesis to Revelation, these moments. Matter of fact, the Bible said in Genesis chapter 7, in the 600th year, the second month and 17th day. It was such a moment that God chronicled the very day of Noah's life. The Bible said he walked through a door. He had done all that God commanded him on the 600th day, the second month and the 17th day of his life. He took Noah through a door. It was not just any door, but it was a door connected to an ark. A boat he built for a generation. A boat that he built when there was no water to float the boat. It had never rained on the earth. A boat that he built in a dry season when people laughed at the boat. But in the 600 year, the second month and the 17th day of his life, he walked through a door and God shut the door behind him. And the fountains of a deep place begin to break open. And the heavens begin to give way with rain. And God began to float Noah's boat. One door can change everything. The Bible said in the book of Samuel, a young shepherd walks in a doorway. He walks in a shepherd, but on the other side of the door, there's a long-haired prophet named Samuel. And the Bible said he was holding a horn of oil. A horn of oil represented power and authority. And the Bible said he walked in the, a shepherd, but the Bible said on the other side of this door, there was this prophet that refused to sit down until David arrived. There are some places, some anointings that will not rest until you walk through the door. There are some dreams that God has in store for you and they will not rest until you walk through the door and the minute David walked through the door the Holy Ghost said he's the one rise and anoint him and the Bible said he walked in a shepherd but he left a king one door can change everything we find in Exodus chapter 14, the people of God have come out of Egypt. They're marching like an army. And the Bible said they find themselves stuck. They are at a Red Sea. And the Bible said on the left, there is no way out. On the right, there is no way out. And behind them, there's an army. It's not just any army, but it's the voice of their yesterday. It's the voice that told them who they were, what they could be, what they could do. I'm telling you, you have to know there's something about your tomorrow when your yesterday will not let you go. There's something about where, where you're going when your yesterday wants you back. And the Bible said they are marching out, but they found themselves stuck. Anybody felt stuck in the last season? And the only thing that God required of Moses was this. He said, Moses, I'm about to open a door. But all I need you to do is take what's in your hand. God never requires you to steward anything he's not already given you. You can't steward what you do not have. You can't steward your neighbor. You can't steward some, I can't steward somebody else's church. But in this social media world we live in, we love to steward everybody else. He said, I'll need what's in your hand. Take the staff that's in your hand. Get to the edge of where you've never been and stretch. 
And the Bible said Moses got to the edge of where he had never been. It was a night season. There was a, a Red Sea in front of him, had an army behind him. And the Bible said he got to the edge of where he had never been. I said there is somebody standing at the edge of where you have never been. And the Holy Spirit says, if you'll stretch, I'll breathe. And the Bible said Moses began to stretch. And the minute Moses began to stretch, God began to breathe. And the Bible said all night long, God began to roll those waters eastward. And he began to open up a doorway of waters. What was that breath? It was the same breath in Genesis chapter 2 where he picked up a lump of dirt and the more he worked with the dirt, the more the dirt looked like him. I'm so glad he works with dirt. I'm so glad he puts his fingers in my dirt. I'm so glad he's still working with dirt. And he breathed on that dirt and it became a living being. It was that same breath in Chronicles that David found. It began to cause a rippling in the top of the mulberry trees and he knew that God had arrived and he began to defeat the Philistines for from one city to the next. It was that same breath in Ezekiel chapter 37 where the Bible said there was a valley of dead dry bones and the Bible said they began to prophesy and God began to breathe and in that valley an army began to rise up. It was that same breath in John chapter 3 where Jesus said you can't put it in a box but if you will follow it, it will lead you into all revelation. It was that same breath in Acts chapter 2 and the Bible said and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house and cloven tongues of fire set on each of them and they begin to declare with boldness the word of the Lord Friend, there's a movement in the kingdom and there's a breath that is blowing but it's not for the weak need or the faint of heart it's for those that get right to the edge of where they've never been it's for those that get right to the edge of a midnight and begin to stretch all through the word of God these doorways in the book of Mark the Bible said Jesus shows up at a house, and there's two types of people there. There's some that are weeping because they thought there was no hope. There's others that were mourning, and then there's some that start laughing. There were some haters in there. Anybody ever had a hater? Anybody ever had a hater that just kind of did a drive-by on Facebook? I get those all the time. You know, they say nice things, but you know they're not meaning nice things. That wasn't even in the message. That was for free tonight. <laughs> some mourners and some haters. In the Bible, says Jesus shows up at the house of Jairus. And this is what he said. I want Peter, James, and John to go in. And I want the mother and the father. Sometimes you have to make sure the right people are walking through your doors. Because the right people propel you. The wrong people will derail you. He said, I want Peter, James, and John. I want the mother and the father. One, two, three, four, five. Jesus, six. The Bible said six went in. And the Bible said Jesus shut the door. Six went in, but seven came out. One door can change everything. In the book of Revelation, he said, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If you will open that door, we will have fellowship together. I'm going to open doors no man can shut. And I'm going to shut doors no man can open. In John chapter 10, verse 10, he said, There is a thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've got good news. I've come that you might have life in abundance. That is one of my favorite scriptures. I love the abundant life. But before you get to John verse 10, you have to get to John verse 9. And it said, I am the door. He said, if you're going to get to the abundant life, you've got to get through the door. One door can change Everything. Matter of fact, I walked through a door on an airplane today, sat in a seat, and I left Atlanta, Georgia, and I landed in Columbus, Mississippi. One door can change everything. 
I was going to rent a car. I was running late, and I said, I canceled the car. They came and picked me up, and after they picked me up, I said, thank God I did not rent a car. I would have been lost tonight. One door can change everything. And in our text, we find that the people of God are living through a transition. There's a new anointing in the earth, a double portion anointing, a greater anointing. But they've just come out of three and a half years of drought. And because of the drought, there was a transition. The whole book of 2 Kings, especially in chapter 4, deal with people that are, are dealing with lack. Early in this chapter, we find a lady comes to the man of God and said, the creditors are coming to get my two sons. And he asked her what she has. And she said, just a little bit of oil. Now, you know it's bad when they're coming to get your kids. But here's the word for her life. A little oil goes a long way. The whole chapter is dealing with lack. And we get to this couple, they're living through this recession, living through this transition. And the Bible says that one day the man of God that carried the mantle, the anointing, a double portion moved by their house. And the Bible said when he came by the house, the woman of God had something stir in her spirit. And she begins to do something. The Bible said she began to cook for the man of God. Because she knew the way to a man of God's heart. Was through his stomach. Here's a principle. The Bible says as often as he passed by, he would turn in. I'm not sure about you, but if I, I go to a place and the food's not good, and, and Dennis, it's not clean, I don't go back. But I can find a hole in the wall. And if it's got good food and it's clean, I'll go back time and time again. The Bible says as often as he passed by, he turned in to eat. If you ever discover what attracts the presence of God, just keep putting it out. If you ever understand your worship attracts the presence of God, go deeper in your worship. If you ever understand that your praise builds a platform for the presence of God, get louder in your praise. If you ever get the revelation that generosity is like a magnet to the presence of God, become a conduit of generosity. She just kept putting it out and he just kept coming by but one day they moved their fate to another level the Bible said she said to her husband I perceive this is a holy man of God perceptions the eye of the spirit it's when you see beyond the now. I don't know exactly what God is doing, but I know he's up to something. I can't put my finger on it. I can't tell you what it's going to look like. I can't tell you how it's all going to work out. But I perceive that God is doing something. She said, I perceive this as a holy man of God. Every time he comes by this house, something shifts in the atmosphere. Every time he comes by this house, something jumps in my spirit. I don't know what he's doing, but I perceive God is doing something. We're spirit-empowered people, and we understand the power of perception but I would say many times we leave it there we never move past the power of perception we get in moments like this we sense God speaking but we never do anything with it but she said oh I believe if we come together and we partner together why there is partnership there is power in partnership I'm here tonight because of partnership I didn't even know where Columbus Mississippi was until I got invited I'd heard of Starkville because I heard Dak Prescott. Yeah, I'm a, if, if you don't get with the sermon, I'm just going to keep mentioning Mississippi State, you know. I did meet Fletcher Cox on an airplane to South Africa, and he was not as friendly as. And he plays for the Eagles. So. But she looked at her husband, let's partner together, let's come together. The Bible said two are greater than one. 
The Bible said if one can put a thousand to flight and two can put 10,000, something happens when we join our faith, we join our worship, we, we join our force together. I believe two reasons. First of all, I believe he, she needed his giftings. There's no lone rangers in the kingdom. You will never complete your assignment by yourself. We saw that witness just now. But also he was the set authority over the house. And if you ever get out of alignment, you'll miss your assignment. Because every season of assignment always requires a fresh season of alignment. It's where God pulls you in and straightens you up and declares, you know what? I need to let this go so I can put this in. And there's this season of alignment. She said, let's partner together. But if we're going to partner together, we're going to have to invest in what we believe God is doing. They've just come out of a recession. Nobody's building. Nobody's investing. Money was not overflowing. It did not make sense in the natural. But she looked at her husband and said, let's build an upper room and let's put a bed a table a chair a lampstand so he when he comes by the next time he doesn't just stop by for a meal but he stays a few days and he begins to dwell in the house and the bible said in a recession they begin to rise and build in a lean season when it did not make sense they begin to step out in faith and they begin to build this upper room and they furnish the room a bed a table a chair a lampstand and one day he came to the house and he moved past the kitchen into the bedroom and the longer he stayed, the more the atmosphere changed. And one day he called for the woman. And the Bible said he called for her and asked her this question. Can we speak to the king or the commander of the army on your behalf? Matter of fact, we heard about a new subdivision in a better part of town going up. We can talk to somebody for you. Oh, she said, oh, no. I dwell among my own people. We perceive God is doing something right here. We've invested in this season. We believe God is targeting us with the breakthrough. And the Bible said the man of God looks at the servant and said, what can we do for her? What is it that she needs? And this is what he said. He said, the food is really good. The room is really comfortable, but this is as good as it will ever be. There's no future for this house. There's no sons and daughters in this house. My prayer is as believers, we never get comfortable in rooms we have already built. We do not get comfortable in food we have already prepared, but there is always a cry for a next generation. He said, you know what? It's good, but this is all it will ever be. And the Bible said he called her a second time. And the Bible said when she came, she stepped in to a doorway. And the minute she stepped in, everything was about to change. He looked at her and said, this time next year. This time next year, you're going to have a son. It staggered her. She said, man of God, do not lie to me. You realize this is the thing I've given up on. I've cried myself to sleep over this. I've already marked this off the list. Every time I look in the mirror, I'm reminded it's impossible. Every time I hear children in the, play, in the neighborhood playing, I'm reminded it's impossible. Every time I glance over at my husband, I'm reminded it's impossible. But I love what the next verse says, at the appointed time, at the appointed time, not just another day on the calendar, but at the appointed time, I've come to tell somebody in Mississippi, you've got an appointment with destiny. You've marked it off the list. You've given up on it. You've already thrown in the town. But God says, get ready. What he was saying was this. Put baby locks on the cabinet. Prepare a nursery. Because there's a child on the way. I've come to tell somebody, get ready. God's about to target you with the next season and a new season. You know, a few years ago, I was invited 
on a trip, and it was really Pastor the Who's Who of Preachers. I mean, it was Pastor Jensen Franklin, Sammy Rodriguez, Franklin Grant. It was just on and on. They went. I think there was one spot left nobody else wanted, and they said, ask that guy in Tampa. So they asked me, and I, I you know, it was just one of those moments I felt God was orchestrating. So I made arrangements to go. I booked my ticket. And the time came for me to go. I got to the airport. And when I got to the airport to go on the trip, a storm had moved in. And when I got to the airport, I could tell that the clouds were heavy and lightning was falling. I travel enough to realize if lightning begins to fall, they're not going to let the planes take off. And sure enough, they grounded every plane in Tampa. I began to watch the monitor and I began to watch my app. And I'm looking at my plane and I'm looking at my connecting flight. And I finally realized I'm going to miss my connecting flight. So finally, after sitting there for about 45 minutes, looking and finding no other flights in Houston to get me to where I'm going, I get up to go over to the gate agent. When I get to the gate agent, before I could say anything, Pastor, she looks at me and says, Pastor. Now, I didn't know who she was, but I did not want her to know that, so I said, Sister. She said, Pastor, you don't know me. She said, we go to the East Lake campus. We've never met you before. She said, but let me tell you this. The atmosphere of the house is changing the atmosphere of our house. She said, the worship. She said, the last series we just came out of on faith. She said, it's challenged us. Me and my husband are praying together in faith. We're trusting God for some. Matter of fact, she said, one of my sons that was out of church has now come and recommitted his life. She began to give me these testimonies. And she said, my name's Jackie. I said, Jackie, nice to me. I said, that's so encouraging. Thank you for sharing that with me. And then she said, Pastor, what can I do for you? I said, well, I was going on this group, uh, on this trip with this group of pastors. I said, you know, Jackie, I'm going to miss my connecting flight. I don't want to stay in Houston. And she looked at me and said, Pastor, you're going to make that flight. Now, I'm thinking Jackie's going to get on the computer and find me another route. I said, Jackie, is there another flight? She said, I'm not sure. I'm just going to pray you make it. Well, I wanted to look like the man of faith and power. I'm like, Jackie, that is awesome. Praise the Lord. I'd go sit back down, but I'm struggling, Pastor. You know, I'm in this war with spirit and flesh. I get on the plane. We sat at the gate another 15 minutes. Finally, I pushed the button. The flight attendant comes over and said, man, I'm going to grab my stuff, get off. I'm going to get stuck in Houston. There's no way I'm going to make my connecting flight. It's getting ready to take off. And I'm in the middle of writing this book, The Door to More. And he said this. He said, I'm getting ready to shut the door. He said, hurry and grab your stuff. And the minute he said that, something gripped my spirit. I said, I'm going to stay. He comes back over a few minutes later. He said, Mr. Stewart, you'll be all right. I said, are you sure? He said, I'm positive. I said, how can you be positive? He said, because the pilot of this plane is the pilot of your next plane. He said, it cannot take off until you arrive. I'll tell you what happened. We landed in Houston. I didn't get off with everybody else. 
We walked down a stairs, me and the pilot. They drove me to the next plane. I was on the plane before anybody else. I'll tell you what was happening. I was in a battle. Nobody knew about it. The church was doing well. My family was doing well. But it was a battle right here. And right there on that runway, the Holy Spirit said, Tony, I'm not only flying this leg of the journey, but I'm flying the next leg of the journey. And I'm flying the next leg of the journey. And there's an appointment with destiny in your future. I've come to tell somebody in Columbus tonight, somebody at Vibrant Church, God's got this season. He's got the next season. He's working it out. You say, well, Pastor, you don't know my story. Keep reading 2 Kings chapter 4. The Bible said one day the son, the promise, is in the field working with his father. The Bible said the promise grabs his head. You know, most of the stuff that takes us out starts right here. Not around you. The Bible said the promise grabs his head and falls over and dies. The father picks up the promise, carries the promise to his mother. The Bible said, I'm sure in a moment this mother's devastated, but it hits her. The Bible said she carried the child through the door of the man of God's room, laid the child on the bed, looks at a servant, and says, prepare a donkey. Get me to the anointing, the presence of God. And then she said this, do not slack on my account. Put the pedal to the metal. Get me to the presence of God. She gets to the man of God. The man of God sends out word. How is it with your husband? I'm sure her husband was heartbroken. How is it with you? I'm sure she was devastated. Then he said this. How is it with your son? She knew the reality. Her son was laying dead on that bed. In the natural, it was crazy. In the natural, it did not make sense. In the natural, she couldn't put it all together. In the natural, it didn't look like the plan or the picture she thought, but she knew she had a doorway to another realm. And as long as I've got a doorway to another realm, I just trust it is going to be all right. You know, I can't see it in the natural, but your kingdom come, your will be done. I, I can't put it together in the natural, but I just have to believe you're working on my behalf. And all of a sudden, something began to rise out of her spirit. And she said, it is well, 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 it is well. Not in the natural, but in my soul. And the, something activated the anointing. The man of God headed to the house. The Bible said he walked through the door. Shut the door behind him. Somebody needs to shut the door. Shut the door on where you've been. Shut the door on the memory. Shut the door on the past. Shut the door on the hurt. Shut the door on the disappointment. She shut the door. And the Bible said he began to breathe over that promise. I don't know what you're waiting on. Maybe it's a brand new promise that God has not yet birthed. Maybe it's something you've been holding on to that seemed to have died. But one moment, Moses, get right to the edge. David, come out of the field of worship. There's a prophet waiting on you. She stepped into the doorway and said, this time next year. This time next year. fact just as you sensed God was doing something when I stopped by the house just as you got an upper room ready get a nursery ready put child locks on the cabinets because babies change everything what he was really saying was this old house 
is about to have new life. There's going to be a fresh cry in the atmosphere. There's going to be a pitter-patter of feet running around this old carpet. What he's saying to us, this old house is about to have new life. And something happened in a moment. I told you, sometimes we're looking for seasons, but God gives us a moment. One moment at a well. And you leave saying, I never heard anything like this before. One moment at a gate when the man was stuck, but two guys just stopped. Look at us. We're living testimonies of this power. Pastor just declared it, such as we have. From stuck to leaping. One moment with a sack lunch that feeds a multitude. One moment in the kingdom that changes everything. He said one day it happened. I get caught up in my yesterday or consumed by my today I miss that moment I just sense that vibrant church is in one of those moments where you step into a doorway in this season and the spirit would declare get ready begin to see what you have never seen Begin to hear what you have never heard. Be willing to get to the edge. I know it's a night season. I don't know where I'm going in the voice of my yesterday. I'm telling you, sometimes the voice of your yesterday can be the enemy of your tomorrow. His enemy of their yesterday, this voice that told them who they were, that marked them so deeply, was pulling them back. But he said, Moses, get right to the edge. I'm waiting on you. And take what's, I know it doesn't seem like much. It looks just like a piece of, it's just a stick right now. But it's about to become supernatural. You say, well, pastor, that supernatural stuff sounds weird. It's real simple. It's when God's super gets on your natural. He said, I want you to get right to the edge. People are watching. People are complaining. People are wondering. One stretch shift in the heavens. One shift opened a doorway of water. Listen, not just to get them through, but the Bible said this same doorway would swallow the voice of their yesterday, never to be heard from again. Come on, stand with me tonight. Pastor, 17 years ago, me and my wife came to this broken, hurting church. They had much more history than they did destiny. And we were piecing things back together. We were working. and When you looked around, we were growing, but there was still this haunting voice of our yesterday. And one day I was on a mission trip in Nicaragua. It was in the heart of the recession. And I got out of a car. And the minute I got out of the car, the Holy Spirit told me. I I wasn't even preaching where we were. I was just with my translator. His name was Ronald Reagan Garcia. True story. True story. (laughs) 
We just stopped by to meet a pastor as we were moving from one city to the next. In the minute I met the pastor, the Holy Spirit said, tell this pastor you'll build him a church. The problem was I couldn't hardly pay my bills in Tampa. I mean, I was just one week away from being broke. One bump would have derailed us. We're in the recession. Young people, uh, they were excited and just had no money. And if I had ever heard God's voice, it was on that mountain in Nicaragua. I asked the pastor, I said, Pastor, have you ever thought about building a church? The translator asked him. He ran in this little house, brought out a set of plans, uh, rolled them out on the hood of a truck, began to show me this, began to show me where it would go. A real poor area of Nicaragua. I said, how much would this cost? He said, 25,000 U.S. dollars. Well, at that season of our ministry, that was like 250,000. I told the translator, Ronald Reagan Garcia, to tell the pastor that we were going to build the church. He told the pastor, the pastor ran in and got his family. They came out. They all started jumping around crying. I started crying. They're crying because I'm going to build a church. I'm crying because I had no money. We're all crying. I haven't told this story in a long time, but I just said to tell it tonight. I got in the car, and the whole ride back to the next city in Esteli, it was like the adversary was in the car with me. Tony, you're foolish. You're going to disappoint this man. You can't even pay your bills in Tampa. How are you going to build a church in Nicaragua? But when I got to the hotel, my cell phone started lighting up. And I saw that I had missed several calls and one number I didn't recognize, so I called it back. And it was a, a, a gentleman named Derek Brooks. He played for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, now in the Hall of Fame. He'd come to church a few times and I didn't think a whole lot about it. He said, Pastor, I want to talk to you about the church building. I said, Derek, I'm out of the country, man. I'll be home on Monday. He said, can I meet with you? He showed up on Monday, 17 people with him. We have an old building in the hood. Shingles hanging off the roof. We were just barely holding it together. Just, you know, had passion, just not a lot of money. He said, Pastor, we want to buy your church building. I said, you want to buy this building? Nobody was buying churches in this recession. He said, we want to start a charter school for inner city kids and your building would be perfect. I don't know why, Pastor, but just out of my spirit, I said, I need $8 million. Our building was only worth two if you could find a buyer. He said, okay. What I didn't realize that one of the gentlemen with him was named Ed DeBartlow that owned the San Francisco 49ers. They left a few days later. An attorney called me. And he said, Mr. Stewart, Mr. Brooks and Mr. DeBartlow said to tell you we'll take it. I said, you'll take what? He said, we'll buy your church. He said, what are you talking about? We're going to give you $8 million. I said, now wait a second. I haven't talked to my board. I mean, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't talked to my wife. I mean, and you may not understand this, but I need to talk to God about it. And this is what he said. He said, oh, I understand. I'm Jewish. I was like, praise the Lord. He said, well, if you can give us an answer, because we have one other piece of property, but we really would like yours. We felt it was a God moment. I said, how are they going to pay for it? I didn't know it was some weird finance. He said, we're going to write you a check. I said, can you bring cash? No, I didn't write <laughs> Small bills. No, I'm joking. He said, we're going to write you a check. 
I said, give me a few days. I met with our elders. We felt like it was a moment. Me and my wife began to pray about it. We just felt it was a moment. I'm driving through our city, and I pass the Bucks Stadium where they play ball in the Yankee Spring Training, and I get about half a mile down, and on one of the busiest corners in our city, I see them taking down a sign for a 90,000-square-foot box building, a Walmart building. And for something in me just begin to start. I, I just said, that's our building. I found out who was representing the building. I called the guy and he laughed at me. When I told him I was interested, he said, pastor, there's 23 bids. He said, Walmart, Publix, and he went down the list. He said, they want to build the BMW dealership there. He said, 23 people. He said, it's one of the busiest corners in the whole county, right in the shadow of the football stadium. He said, thanks for calling, but we have people standing in line with deep pockets. I hung up the phone. I felt dejected. But I got up the next morning and I perceived God was doing something. I picked up the phone. I called back. I asked for the gentleman. The secretary said, he's out sick. God had already put something on this man for laughing at me. No, I'm joking. I mean, it wasn't like a sickness unto death, like a head cold or something. I said, is there anyone else I can talk to? I got up, got on the phone. He said, my name is Josh Dormy. How can I help you? And I don't know why, but I started telling my story all the way back from Nicaragua. Just like I'm telling you, I told him about the mountains. I told him about Ronald Reagan Garcia. I told him about selling the building. I told him about getting home and selling my building. He said, now I've sold my building. I need to buy yours. And the phone was dead silent. I thought, this man probably thinks I'm crazy. I just told him I talked to God and God talks to me. But this is what he said. He said, Pastor, I'm the vice president of the company. I'll help the owner make the decision. He said, you know, I, I'm going to give my recommendation. But then he said this. He said, I'm the chairman of the mission board at my church. He called me a week later. He said, Pastor, I flew to California. He said, they made their presentation. Walmart, Publix, Dick Sporting Goods went down the list. He said, when we got done, he said, the owner of our company said, are there any more proposals? I said, well, there's a church. He said, I started telling your story. He said, when I got to the part about Ed DeBarlow, the owner of our company, he said, I know Ed. I guess billionaires, they just roll in packs. <laughs> he looked and said, if the church can buy it, let them have it. They gave me the keys to the building. I walked in the building. I walked in the building, and it looked like an airplane hangar. And I thought, what are we doing? We're leaving this traditional church. We're going to buy this old uh, you know, this old box store. And I walked in, no, no walls. It just looked like a big airplane hanger. And immediately my heart began to be, I began to hear voices. I began to hear the voice of pastors that told me it was foolish to buy that building. We couldn't handle it. But God being my witness, I grabbed my wife's hand and I began to pray. I said, Lord, I need to know your voice. I need to know your will and hear your voice. Me and Casey began to walk that building with some of our elders. And I walked into the office of this old grocery store. And hanging on the wall, there's a plaque. It looked like it had been there for 20 years. And this is what it said. The will of God will never take you where the grace of God cannot protect you. I'll tell you what happened. We bought that building. 20 weeks later, we were worshiping. In the first six months, a thousand new people came. In the next 10 years, 5,000 people came. Last year, we baptized 800 people. I'll tell you what happened. We stood in a doorway in Nicaragua. I couldn't afford it. I couldn't buy it. I didn't understand it, but we stepped in and the Holy Spirit began to move in the atmosphere and He began to speak in the next season. I've come to tell somebody, you're
you're stepping into a season. You're stepping into a doorway. You're about to enter into a God moment. And I've come to tell you, your best is yet to come. He's about to silence the voice of your yesterday. He's about to release a prophetic tomorrow. Oh, it's not for the weak need or the faint of heart. It's for those that get to the edge and begin to stretch. It's for those that rise up at a midnight and begin to sing. It's for those that begin to declare when they can't see God, but they trust God. Here's what I want you to do. I'm going to ask the team to get ready to lead us in worship. We don't have a lot of room. I don't know what you've been praying about. I don't know what you've been trusting God for, but I want to pray over you tonight. And if you've been believing God, you sense in your spirit, there's a stirring in your spirit that God is about to do something. This altar area, these aisle areas, it's going to be the threshold of a next season. I want you to come and I want you to stand. I want you to lift your hands. Come on, step into the doorway. Come on, wherever you're at, jump out of your seat. Come on, I'm going to pray over you. You may not be able to get all the way to the front, but get into an aisle. Come on, just lift your hands as you come. Just lift your hands. Come on, let's just worship for a few moments as they come.
pray over you tonight. Look at me for just a minute. I just felt pressed to have you do this. Look at me. Now turn around and look behind you. Not at your neighbor, but just look behind you. Come on, everybody, just look behind you. Now look at me. I felt like the Holy Spirit said to tell you that's the last time you ever look back. That's the last time you ever look back. That's the last time you ever look back. Come on, throw your hands at me. I want to pray over you tonight. Father, we declare tonight that we have heard your voice and we have stepped into the threshold of a new season. No longer in our familiar yesterday, but we're coming for our prophetic tomorrow. And so, Father, we step in with an authority. We step in with an expectation. We step in believing, Father, that your word has already declared our best is yet to come. Already declared our, our latter will be greater than our former. So we step in, Father, believing there's a new anointing. There's a fresh season of favor. Father, we put the adversary and the voice of our yesterday. You have no hold on us any longer. But we are coming and we are moving. We are prophesying and we are believing, Father. So we're moving, Father, by a word. We're moving with the wind of your spirit. And Father, I declare tonight mountains are moving. Crooked places are being made straight. Father, I declare there is healing in this atmosphere. Father, sick bodies are being healed tonight. Father, we declare there's deliverance from addictions tonight. There's freedom in this room tonight. And Father, I declare, Father, I sensed it on January 1st that this would be the year of the prodigal where lost sons and daughters arise from the buyer and make their way home. Father, we call for sons and daughters. We call for children and grandchildren tonight. They are coming home. Father, we declare we are targeted. We are marked. We are covered in a season of favor. So, Father, I prophesy as the man of God did. Get ready, get ready, get ready. This time next year, you have an appointment with destiny. You have an appointment with breakthrough. You have an appointment with the supernatural. You have an appointment with the miracle. And Father, we declare a yes and an amen. Come on, if you receive that, put your hands together. Come on, give me a shout, a yes and amen. A yes and an amen. Come on, lift your voice. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. God bless you.
not underestimate what God can do in a moment. In a moment. One phone call. I was in a, an apartment building on the second floor where it was, a, it was a townhouse on the second floor and my phone rings and they said, have you ever heard of Columbus, Mississippi? You never know what God can do in a moment. Some of you came in a service tonight and you thought it was business as normal, but tonight heaven has visited some people and gave you a moment. I'm gonna close the service in a moment and you can hang for as long as Pastor Tyson lets you. But there are some people, the enemy is wanting you stuck. What he said is so true. You're in a threshold right now, and today, now is the moment that when you stepped out of that seat, you didn't just step out. Those weren't just normal steps you took. The woman with the issue of blood, when she touched Jesus, the Bible says that at that moment, he said, who touched me? Somebody, and the disciples said, well, everybody's been touching you. He goes, no, somebody touched me different. Somebody walked out of their seat tonight Different. You didn't just walk out to get up front. You come out saying, you know what? I have been hurting long enough. And you're standing in the doorway of a miracle. And this week is going to mark a spiritual calendar for you that today you walk through your door for more. Amen, everybody. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word that in this place, that it will not fall to the ground. But I pray miracles, signs, and wonders till as they go this week, they're going to begin to see the past falling off them, the guilt falling off them, the condemnation falling off of them, and they're going to be confident and walk toward the blessings and the favor and the miracles that you have in store for them in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And this church said, amen. amen. Come on, give God one big praise. want to encourage you that you can give on your way out. We're glad you're here tomorrow night. Everybody say tomorrow night. Now, you don't want to miss tomorrow night. Pastor, Pastor Manny Oringo is going to be in the house. And I want to encourage you, if you've never heard him, you need to get in the room. You need to bring some friends. We're going to pack this place out one final night. We're going to have a move of God. I think God's already on the move. I don't think he's done yet. Can I get a big amen? May the Lord bless you and keep you. We'll see you tomorrow night.